When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First of all, what's your beef with logic, man? Why you always say I have, listen, man. I think hip hop will always be a void for the people. Reggie Williams. Jake Payne, what's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. You're the, uh, I'm trying to think of a punchline. You're the latest man since – give me the punchline. <laughs> since, uh, I don't know, Post Malone? I don't know. <laughs> Word. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's all uh, good, man. I had my second cup of coffee in the last five months today, man. Oh, damn. Yeah. Damn. All right, that's going to be like uh, Sean Penn and Carlito's way. You're going to be bouncing off the walls. Yeah, this is me in hype mode. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Okay. This is good. This is good because we have a we haven't done one of these in I can't remember if it's three or four weeks. We've had a lot of interviews, uh, a couple of them since then, but we have a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, first of all, I, I told my guy I wanted a double espresso, and he was like, "You want what kind of milk do you want in it?" Then he was like, "Do you want water in it?" And I was, and he's like, "Yeah, that's it. That's it." Because he he didn't know that double espresso was just a little bit of, of coffee. So. I, Oh, well, oh, so you did the concentrated, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I go hard, I don't go at all, man. No no bathroom breaks then, all right, cool. <laughs> no bathroom breaks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. With me is Jake Payne. Together, we are what's the Ambrosia headline for Heads. Yeah. And yeah, exactly, both those things. Oh, man, so, uh, yeah, Lord Finesse and Duckworth. Yeah, two different sides of hip hop, but two highly musical dudes, and 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 really conversations that I'm proud of for this podcast. Yeah, um, man, um, that, that I enjoy both. You know, the, the Duckworth one was really cool. I like talking to artists at that kind of like beginning stage. You know what I mean? Not, and not to be, not to say beginning, because like he said, he's been in the game for like eight yeah. years or so. But like at that stage when they're re- really about to blow. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's just a different kind. It's amazing to be connected and watch that, that, that rise so close. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I, um, you know, Duckworth is somebody that's on a lot of folks' radar. You know, he's been on the Marvel soundtracks. Um, you know, does crazy numbers on Spotify. But I feel like for meat and potatoes hip hop fans, he might not be on their radar. And that's what's so great about our conversation. And it's funny you have, you know, finesse who's. Truly, I mean, when it comes to witticisms and rap, you know, he's definitely, you know, I put him up there with his, his um, you know, protege and disciple, Big L. Like, Finesse always made me laugh. He had such an ill style. And I love that he kind of told us that his uh, rapping days are far from over. He's got some things in the tuck. Because right. um, great producer, great DJ. The Motown remixes were, you know, I've really been enjoying that. But I really, I want to get some more bars from Finesse. Yeah, man, he was, uh, his punchlines were crazy back in the day, you know. Uh, yeah. I met a dude last night, 30-year-old dude from Carson. 
um, you know, uh, super up on our soul uh, and all the Tita Edus, but interestingly did not know Reason, which I thought was, oh, wow. was surprising, but he knew Duckworth. And when he found out that we had uh, connected with Duckworth, he was like actually very hype about that. So it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Great conversations. Yeah. So this week has been a big week in hip hop, like you said. Um, I think one of the biggest moments obviously came on well, Wednesday was just like a double header, but the first of that was Snoop versus DMX. Um, did you watch the battle? Yet? I did. I did. I tuned in throughout. Um, I had some stuff going on on Wednesday night, and, and these really warrant undivided attention, especially the battles of this caliber. So I made sure to watch it in the, you know, I, I watched it in full later on. And I know you were tuned in live because you were texting me. Yeah, no, nah, man, I was, I was that, I was excited for that one, like no other sense, like Jill Scott versus Erica Badu. Mm-hmm. And it's the second one I've watched in its entirety, you know, but what, so what did you, um, what, who did you think took it first of all? I, I, I have it as, as um, Snoop um, 11 to nine, possibly 12 to nine. If you really look at it, there's kind of like 21 rounds. I know there were some, you know, blends and little intros and things like that, but it was close. And I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. Um, they're both artists that have made me consistently um, at various points in their career, get to the record store on Tuesday as they open up to buy what they had to say. Yeah. Um, who did you have winning? You know, I definitely had a Snoop. I, I probably would have put it more in the 12 to eight range or like maybe even 13, seven, you know, okay. um, I'm a gigantic Snoop fan. Um, you know, I've said in the past that I like these better when they do it remotely, but this one I, I thought was much better because they were together, you know, uh, just to love they show one another, yeah. um, you know, just like, you know, watching Snoop do the ad libs for DMX and, you know, then both hyping each other up. And then at the end, the freestyle session, yeah. first of all, it wasn't fair because um, X, you know, I know that DMX was a, a supreme battler back in the day. You know, we've heard those stories about him and Jay, you know, legendary battles and things like that. But Snoop Man is a world-class freestyler. People do not, like, give that dude the props that he he deserves. Like, we've seen him, like, the Swing in the Morning uh, yeah. joint that he did with Jamie Foxx, where he came up with a full-blown song in prompt yeah. Yo, so going up top against that dude is real. Like, I mean, I'd love to see him and KRS battle like that, but yeah. he's not a, a uh, he's not an off the top freestyler anymore. It seems because he was struggling a bit with that, but Snoop yeah. was just so cold with it. Yeah, I mean, to your point, this was great to be in the same room. I think that was Snoop's studio in LA, if I'm not mistaken. And this one was the most produced that I've seen. Like it. There had to have been, I mean, obviously, you know, Swizz is one half of Versus, him and Timberland. And, you know, Swizz has been not only an X's corner, you know, X in a lot of ways put Swizz on, but not for nothing. I mean, starting with It's Dark and Hell is Hot with Rough Riders Anthem, like Swizz has supplied DMX some of his most memorable songs and really came up off the strength of, of that. But um, so that being said, I feel like this was an important milestone in part of a two or three year DMX comeback. But the fact that you have like, what's my name? What's my name? Like, I don't think that these decisions were made on the fly. I feel like, I feel like the set list was largely predetermined. Routines were put together. Like this was a concert to me and not for nothing. I mean, I didn't realize this actually until um, several days after, but this broke the versus record. Um, Did it? For most streams. Yeah. The numbers are, 
um, based on Billboard, reported this 1.75 billion impressions. Now, mind you, Wait, impressions. Billion? Yes. Billion? Yes. Billion. That's now, mind you, again, impressions. That's not streams. Okay, That's, yeah, but still, but like, I mean, this is a shot heard around the world. Yeah, and. Um, again, that's Billboard. That's you know, that's a pretty damn trustworthy source. It broke the Apple, um, you know, the Apple live stream platforms record um, for for something of this type. And from what I read in Billboard, it broke the Versus record, um, which yeah. is nuts on a Wednesday night as we're now in, you know, dog days of summer. Pun intended. Yeah, it's again just a testament to like you know what Swiss Beats and Tim have done for the culture. I mean. They've literally created a new form of entertainment. And um, to have that kind of cultural impact is insane. You know, I was watching it live. It, it was, you couldn't tell that on IG, because on IG, I yeah. think the highest it got was like 500,000 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I know Swiss was saying during the, the actual broadcast that they had reached like 2.2, 2.7 million. And, and I took that to be unique across other platforms so to have that many impressions I'm, I'm guessing that means social media yeah and like you know um like ig like mentions and stuff like that which i can see that you know but still um, like probably your mom and my mom know that this happened they didn't tune in live but they saw about it <laughs> yeah. on some morning show you know um, good morning um, america or something not my mom i'm not i'm not sure your mom <laughs> be like <laughs> so uh, but to your point, man, um, the set list did feel very intentional. Yeah. And um, I loved how um, Snoop, at least, and maybe X2, but very much went in chronological order. You know, it's kind of retrospective of his career. You know, yeah. starting out with, like, deep covers. Like, ooh, I mean, you know. And yeah, you, know, you just think about all the different phases he had with, like, you know, the early stripped-down Dre to the more melodic stuff that came with the G-Funk era. Yep. To like the, you know, the Master P era, No Limit, and then Pharrell, Pharrell. and G-Unit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, he was, you know, it was, it was dope. And still left songs on the table. I mean, you know, in Snoop's case, didn't do Sexual Seduction. I mean, he did do Beautiful um, or Sexual, whatever the name of the record is on, you know, we all know what it is, but, uh, yeah. you know, left that back and, and that probably wasn't the venue for it, but he was willing to do some of the quote unquote, you know, girl records, a relationship song as did X, you know, um, great, you know, Swizz, Battle Cat, you know, were accoutrements to the presentation. Um, it was just really good. And, and, you know, uh, several months ago, you and I spoke on here and I didn't know that Versus would kind of go much beyond quarantine. And now I think that this is really here to say, stay, and this is a high level of entertainment. And, um, what I really hope too is, you know, these are two active artists. Um, and I hope that it's really interesting to see the records that they chose because it's, it's wild for me to see their understanding of their own impact. You know, um, there were deep cuts in here, um, you know, pump pump, which is probably, you know, it's my favorite song on doggy style, but um, you know, it's not a record that you know, you're going to hear at a Snoop Dogg concert. It appeared as one of the 21 records. So I yeah, love that. And he, did a, and he did a different mix of it too, which was yeah. super dope. Uh, yeah. And I love the fact that he was actually performing his songs too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You've said in the past that you thought Versus was over. Like you, you weren't like, so Keenan, did you still feel that way? Or do you think that the yeah. And by no means though, I mean over, like I'm poo-pooing it because, you know, even on, on my social media, which I'm not a 
heavy social media person, but I'm seeing folks that I don't even have hip hop conversations with that are, you know, putting into the universe, their opinions on these and celebrating these. It just became something somewhere around June that it wasn't a, it wasn't a mark on my calendar, you know, somewhere around Beanie Man, you know, I was just like, ah, I'm okay to sit this one out. And, you know, there were a lot of technical issues going on. You would tune in on a Saturday night and it would take things an hour. You know, that even happened with Eric and Jill, which I thought was a phenomenal experience. But here we are now in high July and there's no hiccups really. I mean, this is getting better and better. And I really think that this is going to be an extension of the barbershop or lunch table or, you know, two folks at a bar debating music. Um, this, this will live forever, I really hope. Yeah, I flipped around from platform to platform this time. I started off on IG because I just love watching the comments and it feels more like a party in there and like mm. you know, seeing, you know, artists and, and, you know, friends and people like that, like commenting is always fun. But then like midway through, I switched over to Apple Music um, in the app and do like, first of all, like it's a full screen experience. And secondly, the sound is pristine. Yeah, audio. I mean, it's yeah. straight up through the control board. It's full stereo. It sounds amazing. And so... um I did that for a while, but I was still missing. And they have tweets and stuff like that underneath, but it's not the same. So then I found myself watching on my computer, but I had my IG open on my phone so I could like follow like, you know, comments and stuff. So it's just, it's interesting just, just figuring out how to even experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I haven't participated in that way. I'm mostly just, um, there have even been times and this happened even during Snoop and X, like, I was in the car and I would put it on and run it through Bluetooth and just drive and listen, um, you know, but yeah, I think it, it really is a 360 of like, you know, um, there's discourse among the fans. Yeah. So um, J versus M, do you think that's a possibility? I, for, I think for M it is. I mean, M has been accessible in a way that he's never been lately. Um, I think his legacy, and we've discussed that a bit on this podcast, I think his legacy is a little bit debated right now. And I feel like M is not getting the flowers he deserves, um, especially in this chapter of his career. And I feel like something like this could could really get him those snaps. Um, Jay, I don't know. I mean, for Jay, it would have to be in a way that really – um, emphasizes title, I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know. That's true. And I'm not ruling that out. I mean, these guys are friends. They obviously did the Home and Away concert series in the last decade. They worked you go together. To that, by the way, I did not. You did, right? I did, and I was I was close. I was like, you know, 15th row or something like that. Oh, and damn. That's a humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was dope. It was super dope. Yeah. That, um, but yeah, I mean, I could see that happening. And, and truly, Jay's done interesting things for title in the past. So I could see that happening. Yeah. So later on that night, um, J. Cole released two new songs. Um, you sent me one, a song of the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, dude, like, I thought that those two songs were two of Cole's best in years. You know, I'm a huge Cole fan. So, I mean, like... Uh, but this dude, like, you know, the climb back was just insane. Uh, and Lion King on Ice was dope, too. But, like, the climb back, just the things that he's saying, he's just going in. Like, I don't know, man. Cole is, you know, people always say Kendrick, Drake, and Cole. But I, I always feel like kind of Cole is like that, like, 1A or, you know, instead of it with Drake and, and Kendrick being 1 and 1. 
you know, Drake mm. on the hit side and, and Kendrick on the artistic side. But man, um, I think it's a it's a full blown equal trinity at this point. You know, uh, three kings. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, I've I've become a much bigger J Cole fan later in his career. I was not the biggest. I was tuned into the mixtapes. I got to know J Cole for a brief point in you know 2009, 2010, as he kind of moved into albums. But I never thought his early his first album measured up to what he was capable of, and he said similar things. And then I really think somewhere around um, started to take shape at Born Center, but really, um, you know, uh, was it 2014 Forest Hills Drive yeah. is where, yo, like, and, and really you and Amanda and some other folks in the AFH fold at the time really had me going back to that album in the coming months and years. So, yeah, I think this is, I think this is interesting. I mean, you and I on this podcast I think we, we, we offered some interesting perspective on J. Cole a couple, you know, I would say within the last month and a half over this issue with No Name. And what I've found is you and I processed it differently than a lot of the vocal. I don't know if it's majority or minority, but I think that in 2020, it's the closest thing that J. Cole's ever done to taking an L. Um, I don't know if you would agree or not. Um, no, I would say I, I think the closest he came to taking an L was uh, around KOD. Just like the the the, the pushback he got from um, a younger generation, and not I, not from like Cole fans, but from, right. from from a generation. Like he got called out like tremendously on that album. I don't agree with it, but I, right. I think the yeah. noise was louder around that than it was. Around well, that's a good point. I mean, you know, Little Pump and 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 Smoke Perp, um, uh, you know, they were leading the pack, and they, they admitted they used their own words, trolling him. But then you had folks like YBN Corday, who wasn't in his prime yet, who raised a really good point when the record that he released, you know, old old cats, or you know, I'm paraphrasing the title. But yeah, I mean, Cool looked low earlier this year with this and I feel like the climb back is a direct answer to that I mean not only is it real-time rapping about what's going on but it's also like oh I'm gonna give it to you and that was that was tremendous that that was great and it's interesting too I mean you know I know later in the conversation I think we want to talk about where projects are but this isn't just a typical two-pack this is you know he called it Lewis Street um it's two songs and it seems deliberate. Like it's, it's not just, I'm going to give you two records at once. This is a pivot point in his discography, which I find interesting. Yeah. Do you know what Lewis street is? You know what that's a reference to? I don't apart from Warren G records, but as far as, uh, <laughs> as far as J cool, I really don't. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out, but I was thinking about the two pack too. Like this is, this is now twice in two weeks that two artists of that caliber have come up with, with, would like you said would feel like projects right not like yeah. many projects uh joe because joey badass came up with his like uh you know just like a week before that and his was three songs all of which were also really really um you know i think stellar and some of joey's best work in a minute his is called the light pack he's got the light no explanation and shine on it and shine you put me on with that roy Ayers sample uh you yeah. know everybody loves the sunshine um what do you think do you think that this is the model that should go forward? Like, you know, it's it's hard for me to sit down now and devote 30 or 40 to 60 minutes to a, a project in one setting. You know, I, I just don't have the time. 
But if, if it's two or three songs, or even like what Kanye was doing back, you know, two years ago with the seven song joints that are like 20 minutes, I'm all in. And I find myself listening to those projects over and over again, you know? Um, so I really, I'm a big fan of this. And and I know, so the, the, the J. Cole is, you know, supposedly the first two releases off his, you know, uh, the fall off, um, which he says is coming with no timetable. But I'm like, I'm almost like, you know, do you really need to do that? Just like release them in dribs and drabs as it goes. I mean, J. Cole, along with the two artists you mentioned, Kendrick and Drake, leads the class. And I feel like these guys love hip hop so much. They love music so much. They love long forms of expression that they'll keep it, keep it going. Um, but this is another, you know, tool in the artist's belt. Like, you know, we've seen a resurgence of EPs in recent years. Um, the pack thing is, is just interesting to me. And I like it when it's, I like the fact that you and I are sitting out trying to figure out, sitting here trying to figure out what Lewis Street means, you know, trying to analyze the title. And, and you know, it's more than just like, I'm going to give you two songs at once. And the weird thing is, is, you know, Lion King on Ice and the Climb Back, these are not necessarily two songs that sound great back to back. You know, it's almost like two different speeds within his repertoire. Um, but I do, I, to answer your question, I really do, but I don't think the album is, is completely bygone, but it amazes me to your point, you know, my favorite project, I believe of 2018 was Pusha T's Daytona, um, you know, nine or 10 songs, very short. I knew that album so well. And here we are in 2020, my favorite album so far is, is Royce's album, the, you know, um, the allegory. And I'm still pairing titles with the way that I know the album. Like it's a, so it's three times the length of Pusha T's project. And that does come as a detriment to artists. You just can't get familiar with the time that we have, even in quarantine, um, with these longer albums. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that the album is a bygone product, but I do think that artists should not feel compelled to do either. You know, I, yeah. I think certain artists just have not proven to be great at making albums. Like Drake, for example. You know, Drake has, you know maybe one or two like great albums, but he has probably a hundred great songs, you know? Um, and I think that it's okay for artists like that to just, you know, do things as they, as they come, make playlists, you know, you know, be part of like, you know, other guests, other artists, you know, projects, things like that. And if, but if they have a real theme, a real like vision, they need to articulate over several songs is I think the only time you truly need to make an album. And I think a Kendrick is like that. I do think Cole fits in that category a lot of times. Um, Kendrick you know, hasn't yeah. used that though. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, but what's interesting. No, I'm is... saying as an album. Word, oh, word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kendrick is an album artist. You know, right. I think Cole is generally an album artist. KOD was a, you know, we knew the theme throughout and he like touched on it in different ways throughout. There are very mm -hmm. few artists who can actually like carry, communicate a thread throughout, you know, 10 songs or more. Right. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, with, with, the, with the artists who can. It's almost like, you know, off the top freestyle versus like, you know, written freestyle. Your, your talents are what they are. So as we discussed this, um, you know, you texted me this week of something that I didn't even know happened. Um, so Rhapsody, you know, we, it's, she is a high caliber artist and an artist who's proven at least twice, I would say three times that she can carry a full album project. That's not even acknowledging her mixtapes, but you know, um, she re-released a lot of songs this week as a, as a project, which I have to feel 
fits snugly into this conversation. You yeah, know? I mean, the, the, the title, I think, says it all. You know, it's too lyrical. Um, and, you know, that to me was a, a jab because her, her album was overlooked. You know, it wasn't nominated for a Grammy. Layla's Wisdom was. Um, that was another phenomenal album. And not taking away from it, but but I think we both believe that Eve was better. I, I believe yeah. that Eve was Rhapsody's best work, and that's saying mm-hmm. a lot because her her body work is really really strong. Yeah. Um, and yet it got no accolades. It really kind of came and went in the ether. It, you know, it was really kind of surprisingly overlooked by most when you and I had it in our top two. Yeah. Um, of the year in 2020 or 2019. So I think that if she's saying, look. I must be too lyrical for you guys. Like you must not understand it. So let me give you another shot. Let me, you know, here's another bite at the apple. At e, you know, and and Eve, right? Another bite at the apple. Yeah. Oh, word. Like, I didn't yeah. even put that together. That's well, I just did. Like that's the, that's the espresso. That's yeah. a double espresso <laughs> kicking in, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I think that was it, man. Um, I'm actually going to reach out to her ninth uh, later on and and find out, uh, but it would not surprise me if that's, that's what they were thinking. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, as we talk about DMX, I believe it was Irv Gotti um, at Def Jam in the early 2099, 2000. I don't know if you remember this Def Jam tried this thing out for like a year called the seven series. Do you remember that? And they would, I mean, this was in the era of buying CDs, but they would take the seven biggest songs on an album and sell it at a, like a nine ninety nine or a seven ninety nine price. Um, and they were doing it a lot with DMX, Ja Rule, maybe Cameron, like that, that Y2K era. And, you know, maybe they were ahead of their time with this. So it's interesting that Rhapsody picked the songs that she did and re-released them. I still would encourage, if this is your entry point, cool. But um, Eve needs to be listened to in the sequence it is and in full. And that album, maybe like Royce, I mean, we'll see, is, is dense and it's deserving. And that's it's hard to get your flowers in this era when, you know, people are dropping five songs, 21 minutes. So let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a greater celebration of women in a body of work in hip hop than Eve? I mean, armchair answer, no. And I, you know, even Queen Latifah, I don't think at an album level devoted the theme to as much real estate as Rhapsody did. Is there, something I'm missing that you're remembering? No. And I'm wondering if that might play a part in it, you know, um, you know, society in general has proven to be very misogynistic, you know, um, we still haven't had a woman president, even though women are the majority of, of people in, in this, in this country. You know? yeah. um, um, I think that's a lot of the reason why Hillary Clinton lost. Is it possible that it, the project wasn't too lyrical, but it was, you know, um, about women, and that's just repudiated in hip hop? And to me, especially when it came to the Grammys, at least in the damn nominations, I thought that that would win. I mean, you know, I know the uh, Chronic never won a Grammy, but you have the Chronic come, you know, post LA riots, and you know, there's certain times that hip hop lines up really well with what's going on in the world. Um, and this was, you know, Eve did that on a, on a gender and, and sex level. And I thought that that was so phenomenal um, on top of its own just artistic merits. And it just, you know, we celebrated it. Some other publications and media and fans and podcasts did. 
but that didn't transfer to the mainstream and to the greater criticism community. And that's just a shame. Truly, that that was, you know, up there with, you know, Macklemore winning rap, you know, with Macklemore's kind of dominance of Kendrick in, what was that, 2014. So crazy. It is, is when, yeah. when you look back and think about that album beating Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. And like, I mean, truthfully, like, who's going to be listening? And, and dude, like, you know, I was supportive of both of those dudes extremely early in their careers, both on AFH, but also on BET. And I think I gave both of them their first TV looks. Um, so no shade toward Macklemore at all. Right. But who is going to look back on that album, you know, in three years when it's 10 years old, um, you know, versus like Good Kid, Mad City, and think that it it was remotely in the same stratosphere. Like nobody, yeah, right. nobody. So as we but, talk, about, well, oh, go ahead. but you talked about you you said something interesting. You you talked about like with hip hop uh, kind of aligning with what's going on in the world, and you were on this before I was. You know, I, I, I truthfully didn't listen to the whole project of Friday, but Run the Jewels four. You know, um, Killer Mike and LP did an interview with The Breakfast Club. And I watched it in its entirety, you know, hour and 12 minutes. Um, I did it while I was working out. I, I worked out longer than I would have so I could finish, like, yeah. looking at it. You know, I love Mike's perspective. LP also has an incredibly unique, interesting perspective. But when you talk about aligning with what's going on in the world, man, just hearing those guys talk, and the way they address it in their music is phenomenal. Uh, so I want to revisit that album a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, you had said you had said that before. Can you expand on on what you thought it brought to the table? Yeah, I mean, you know, when it dropped in, I guess, late May or June. I mean, there's there's even references on Mike's part to "I Can't Breathe," which, you know, there's no way that that's about George Floyd. I mean, tragically, it's you know. Um, recurring thing yeah and from disenfranchise um from from lack of harmony with government or lack of support especially in disenfranchised communities to police brutality to this overall sense of um you know where do we as people fit in you know black folks white folks young folks um there's all of that and then there's this underlying theme i mean you talk about song of the day in the last few weeks the album closes with, um, and again, this is a product of, of titles, but it's uh, something shooting gallery, you know, um, and it ends and it's basically this song of both guys look at like, if these are my final words, what are they going to be? And, you know, LP addresses his sister, Mike addresses, you know, his family. Um, and it's really beautiful. And to me, that lines up with how I'm looking at the world right now. Like, damn, these are really uncertain times. And we don't know if, you know, the city I live in is going to burn down or if, you know, we're going to get hit with a missile or, you know, really jarring kind of negative thoughts. And that album hones it all in with, of course, the Run the Jewel sound, which is just as jarring, just as uneasy, um, but it's still jams, just like hip hop. You know, that's why I really see them as, you know, um, in a lot of ways, like the, the closest thing to a second coming of Public Enemy, you know. Yeah, did you did you watch the interview? Did you get a chance to see it? That I did not. No, and I want to, especially after what you're telling me. So there are a few things, you know. First of all, just even on your public enemy analogy, like uh, you know, they kind of go through the history, and Charlemagne asks him about uh, LP about producing R.A.P. Uh, music, and um, you know, 
Mike says explicitly that he wanted his ice cube meeting the bomb squad experience. That's mm. what they both wanted. And that's what they aspired to do. And I think they accomplished it with RAP music. So um, that's one. Um, they talked about Yankee and the Brave and how, um, you know, you know, Mike is basically in a, a, a standoff. Like he's been like, you know, profiled and, and you know, mistreated by the police. And he's, he's basically in a shootout with them. And he talks, you know, in the interview about how, you know, he would rather go out on his own terms because the song ends with him. Like he's got one bullet and he can either like, you know, use it to like kill the cops or put it in between his eyes and his words. Um, and he's about to start blasting, you know, LP comes to it, you know, the rescue. And um, they talk about how the symbolism of that is twofold. One, it is not succumbing to not going out like a coward in these situations. And, you know, he talks about Ahmaud Aubrey and how he fought literally to the death, you know, um, and, you know, how others have done that. But it also talks about how this is more complex than a race issue because it's a white man that comes and helps Mike escape, you know, and we've seen a lot of solidarity like that in this, this latest movement. And so that's another instance of them kind of foreseeing what's going on before it happened. You know, another thing is the song Just, and they talk about the fact that, you know, the song with Pharrell, and uh, they talk about the fact that, you know, we believed that this is a meritocracy and that capitalism will allow for those, you know, who work hard enough to rise and so forth, but we don't acknowledge the systemic, you know, racism embedded in capitalism, and it's right there in front of our faces because the notes of tender that we worked so hard for literally have the faces of slave masters on them, you know? And mm. so we're, we're slaves to that capital. Um, and, and the capital system is built on slavery, uh, you know, as it stands. So it's just amazing listening to those guys, you know, uh, talk about these things and break it down. Where do you think now that you've had time to sit with the album, um, where do you think it falls within the RTJ catalog? Man, I would probably put it at number two, and that's only on one listen. Like, uh, I think Run the Jewels one is is one for me. I'll put this at two. Two would be three, and three would be four. Um, but I gotta, you know, I gotta listen to it a little bit more. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's very close to number one. I think the excitement of the group coming together for RTJ one was, you know, that was lightning in a bottle, and that's always going to be hard to replicate. This right here is there. I the the um the third one I thought was a real like they had reached another level and I saw their very first uh show on that tour in January of 2017 and it was phenomenal like the energy completely sold out show like these guys had arrived in a way that astonished me and I've seen RTJ I've probably seen them four or five times live um both in festivals and on their own the second album to me it has some great moments but I think it's the weakest link and there's you know, I totally accept somebody disagreeing with me on that. Um, you know, it's been really, really good to watch these guys mature. I mean, Mike has been on a, um, you, you say all that, and then, you know, Mike has police officers in this family, and his views on police have always been different than cut and paste, you know, FTP versus, you know, um, he's never been a huge defender. He's always found the middle. And I love it when Mike has gone on conservative television and represented the hip hop community and, and our forms of expression. Um, and then recently, you know, I just, it's a, Mike gets a lot of credit and L deserves credit too in his maturity. Um, a few months ago, they put his fantastic damage, you know, solo debut 
from Def Jux on the spot on the streaming platforms. And I've spent a lot more time with that album these days um, in this kind of crazy dystopia than I had when it dropped. And to watch L apologize for some of the things that he's, you know, said, like, you know, dropping the F-bombs, the other F-bombs and speaking about women in the way that he has, but still you listen to, you listen to this album and RTJ, Mike and L are, a natural trajectory of where they were um, 20 years ago each. So that's yeah. just been phenomenal to see. And I'm really happy to hear that you like the album as much as I do. Yeah. You know, Mike, so Mike, I, I really like his rapping and he obviously raps about very deep things. Um, I don't, he's not the, um, the most technical rapper, you know, just like Chuck D wasn't, you know, um, I think it's the things that he says in a way that he says it, that conveys the power rather than, um, you know, him being like, like super lyrically dexterous, like a, a Kendrick or, or Royce or someone like that. Um, but I think that the things that he does outside of hip hop make him an even greater rapper. Hmm. And it, it's, it's got me thinking about like the role of activism in creating a person's legacy. You know, everyone thinks about Muhammad Ali as being the greatest, you know, um, you know, in boxing, but you know, you put Muhammad Ali in his prime versus like a Mike Tyson or like, uh, you know, um, yeah, a Floyd Mayweather, like beefed up or whatever, you know, I don't know that Muhammad Ali walks away the victor in those, you know, and he wasn't undefeated even in his, his time, but he's still the greatest. Um, and it's got me thinking about LeBron James because, you know, LeBron, um, amazing athlete. No one ever deny it. Like, um, yeah, on the court is as gifted as any player that's ever done it. He has not achieved the success that a Michael Jordan has yet, or even a Kobe in terms of like championships. But um, in watching him, especially over the last few years with the schools that he set up and now his more than a vote initiative and the way that he is using his press conferences, he did a press conference, his first one since being in the bubble this week, and all the questions were about the game and everything, but he continued to refocus them on Black Lives Matter and, you know, the movement. And he said, it's not a movement. It, for us, it's a way of life. And just watching him and the way that he is using his platform to advance, you know, social justice, I think is amazing. And I think it's, it's putting him closer in that GOAT conversation. And I've never been one to see that because, you know, MJ 6-0, like, you know, he did what he did on the court. But when you combine um, impact and influence, um, and listen, Michael, like, you know, influenced the entire world you know, with his clothing and his demeanor and stuff, but but LeBron is using it in a different way. I'm starting to think that GOAT conversation is getting real for him. But what do you think about that notion of, like, your activism or what you do outside of your craft contributing to how great you are in that craft? Absolutely. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree, and it it really – it's – you know, I was, I was born after Ali's final fight, but, um, you know, you, it's hard to hear, you don't hear slander on Muhammad Ali. You might hear people counter that he's not the greatest, but, you know, he's cemented himself. And I think a lot of that is beyond the ring. And I feel like that's true with, with LeBron. It was very eye-opening. You were the one who really kind of um, put me on to shut up and dribble, which we've talked about on here before. And it was, an illuminating documentary for me or, you know, docu-series. And um, yeah, I can never slander LeBron. Like, and every opportunity he gets, um, like you said, with a press conference, he's just doing so much. 
And, and to me, it's great to see a hero like that in these days. And, you know, bringing it back to rap too, um, you know, on, on sports, like one of my favorite baseball players of all time is Roberto Clemente. He's my favorite player in history. Has played his last game and, and, and passed away, you know, 11 years before I was born. But, and Clemente dies with exactly 3,000 hits, but he dies helping others, you know. Um, he was on, his, on a flight that crashed provider relief. And to me, that, that, that immortalizes his legacy as not only a, you know, a diligent athlete on the field, but as a do-gooder. And that's so great to see when, you know, some of our leaders in sports or in arts and culture aren't quite so virtuous, you know. Um, you know, I think the greatest baseball player of all time is Pete Rose. And I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but Pete Rose, no matter how you dice it, is not a great human being. There's lots of accounts on why he's not. And that, that has tarnished his legacy. So that speaks to your point, too, of if you're not these things, will it ultimately drag you down? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I disagree with you a little bit. I think the Killer Mike is an elite MC, And I'm not sure that Run the Jewels always gives him – like he really plays to the ensemble really well. But if you look throughout his career, Mike has verses that are A+. Plus, you know, um, when I was the editor-in-chief of Hip Hop DX in 2008 – which was by no means a banner year for hip hop, but we made his um, a Pledge Allegiance to the Grind Time, the album of the year. And I really think in retrospect, 08, yeah, I think it was. I think Mike is a phenomenal rapper, but I, when I first met him in 2005, it was for an interview for The Source. And I hung up the phone after a series of conversations with him. And I'm like, I want this guy to win. Like I want, I want, this person to be great because they're such a great representation of what I love about hip hop, which I think speaks to your point. And he's that, I think in, in some ways, West side gun is that, you know, if you listen to him and I think that uh, David Banner was always that for me, I think David Banner, the person is worlds better than David Banner, the rapper sometimes producer. He's, he's pretty great, but um, yeah, I, I'm rambling a bit. But I, I think agree with you. I think Mike is an elite MC too. Like, don't be putting words in my mouth. Like, you know, <laughs> okay, let's get back yeah. to Mike. I'm gonna go on record. I think he's an elite MC also. Just like I think Snoop is an elite MC. I think Ice Cube is an elite MC. Chuck D and Tupac, they're all elite yeah. MCs. What I'm saying though is I don't think that um, you know when it comes to technical okay. lyricism that he they stand with uh, you know a Royce, a, a Kendrick, uh, you know, a Black Thought, uh, you know, just a super lyrical cats, you know, yeah. and that's no, no value judgment against either one. It's just, it's just a, you know, a description of how they, rap, yeah. you know. Maybe so. I still like, I, Mike can chop, like he can, he can do the fast rap thing very well. And that's maybe what I don't get as much with RTJ as his old solo catalog, which I feel like has, you know, been eclipsed a bit. Um, not a huge concept guy. Or an Andre, yeah. would you put, would you like, uh, no. Andre, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, but here's what I will say. And I stand by this a hundred percent. If there's. Mike is more big boy than Andre is what I'd say. Word. And that makes perfect sense. You know, especially given, you know, who, who kind of vouch for him. But if there's 10 active rappers right now, 10 active MCs, you know, I'm not including your big daddy canes and your rock hymns, but 10 right now, Mike is in my list. And I, I say that objectively, too. Like, it's not just because I love his music. I think in terms of what makes great rapping right now, Killer Mike, top 10, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I, 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 right. right now, Mike is in my top five. Okay, like, now you're one up. Right now? Come on, man. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, another rapper uh, that is super lyrical that you don't like. <laughs> and you get mad whenever, you get mad every time he drops a project because you know I'm gonna put two or three joints in the I playlist. Saw this morning, I was and, like, oh. <laughs> and you're gonna have to listen to it for a year. <laughs> like, I thought about you yesterday. I was like, damn. I, I, I was thinking you're gonna be mad. Jake is gonna be mad. So, uh, but it's logic. Uh, first of all, what's your beef with logic, man? Why are you? Oh, man, I have logic? listen, man. I have no beef, honestly. You know, I know we're two guys that talk a lot about places we used to work and the things we've done for people. 2011, um, you know, Logic had built a name organically for himself. But again, you know, I was, I was, I was leading Hip Hop DX on the editorial side. And um, Young Sinatra 2 dropped, I mean, independently. And I was blown away with some of the videos he was putting out. And we were um, right there with maybe ahead of, maybe if right behind, but two dope boys and the, and the like. I, but I believe that I was a ground floor media logic supporter. Um, I, uh, I genuinely, especially in the first half of the last decade, liked the guy. I root for him. Um, you put me on to uh, everybody, you know, and, and through the exact exchange that you're talking about, like I got to a place where logic would release an album. It felt like every other week. And I was just like, I'm cool. And you made me really realize in what, I think 2017, um, that everybody was a remarkable release. But I do think Logic does too much. I think he, here's a, here's a point of why I've changed the channel on Logic personally. You know, Logic made all of this noise um, a few years ago with the suicide prevention song. You know, I've, I've lost a number of people in my life to that. It's a very personal issue. I thought it was great. Great to see the MTV performance, I think it was. Um, all of these things. Happy to hear the song on the radio. And then a year later, he does a punchline that makes fun of that song and tells his haters to kill themselves. That is why I can't really fuck with Logic. I'm just like, yo, dude, where, what is your constitution? Um, and that, so now I think why you're bringing this up is Logic is, is toying with retirement, but it also comes with a deal involved. So you want to catch us up to speed? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, You know, I'm kind of with you. You know, I've been a a big fan of Logic 2 since those Young Sinatra days. I remember the first time I heard, um, uh, I think the song is Young Sinatra, uh, and he uses that that Milk Bone sample. Yep, Yep. keep it real. Yeah, that Big L and Jay freestyled on, too. Um, Yeah. And... You know, that song blew me away. I loved it. You know, I've always loved the sample, so he had me there. But then he was spitting, you know. And he's another dude, like, you know, I put on TV for the first time and big supporter of back in the day. Uh, But over time, you know, even with uh, Under Pressure, I thought it was a great album, like really phenomenal. But I also thought it was really kind of Kendrick Light. You know, he was using a lot of the same kind of like vocal distortions and harmonies and stuff like that. And it felt very much like... um, a rip on Kendrick's style. But still, it was cool and like it was well done. Um, but then over time, he got kind of gimmicky and the, 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 you know, like just kind of like throwing in like, you know, cadences and syllables for the sake of it without 
really saying anything, you know, and jumping up and down yeah. in the videos as he's doing it and smiling. Yeah, and... yeah. But but at the same time, while he would do that, he would also have songs that touched on really deep issues, you know, yeah. suicide, but also like being, you know, depression and you know, being biracial and like, you know, the, the scrutiny that he faced and things like that and his marriage, all those things, which I thought was, was dope, you know, so I always like artists who put their truths out there. Um, but then it starts to become what felt like a trope, you know, I think to your point. And, um, you know, I wasn't really sure if he was sincere in those things, but I, I do think that his ear for beats is impeccable. And the funny thing is, I was the other thing I was thinking about you with these songs in the playlist is I know Jake is going to skip these and some of them he's going to question why I even put them on there. But I would say for all three songs that I put on there, there's a beat change in the middle. Mm-hmm. And when it shifts to that second beat, oh man, it's a whole different level. Like uh, his cadence is different. And he self produces a lot. I mean, I'll shoot Logic Bale in that regard. Like, we spend a lot of time praising your Kanye's and your cools and your different people, but logic with his partner six has made a lot of his best stuff, you know? Yeah. So he, and he's so in the pocket. So I would encourage you. I will. <laughs> to listen in full yeah, a couple of times. To that's like, it's like court order community <laughs> service, man. No, I mean, it, it's cool. And, and listen, but, I, yeah, go ahead. But so you, you talked about the deal. Uh, so, you know, simultaneously with announcing that this is his last album, you know, he goes from under pressure being the first to no pressure being the last one. Um, he said he signs a deal with Twitch, uh, a live stream deal. Um, yeah. And it's rumored to be, I think, you know, seven figure deal or something yep. like that. Uh, he used it to um, premiere this album first. And like, he, he had some very emotional, um, you know, exchanges with fans where he, t- he thanked Kendrick. He- yeah. Why are you laughing? No, man. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Why are you laughing, man? <laughs> it just, it, it was, yeah. I mean, it you was just a vibe. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did, I did watch it. Um, <laughs> I'll let you finish, though. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he had an emotional, uh, really emotional exchange with the fans over Kendrick. I think his wife was cutting onions in the other room. Like, <laughs> Like I mean I'm 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 sorry, but like <laughs> like how do you those are you good think, tears, man. Those you are, think Cole, you know, um so I think that it it seemed to me that he is at least sincere in his belief that he's done, you know. Uh so I don't even understand the Twitch deal because if that's the case, you know, he I guess he says he's he's an avid video gamer too, so I I don't know if he's literally just gonna be on there playing video games or what it is, but he signed the deal, but like Okay, so bringing it back around, though, do you believe that this is the last album or last music we'll hear from Raj? No, I, um, and I get, and that's it, too. I, I, first of all, I feel like Logic has toyed with retirement before, never to this level of grandeur. Um, you know, Lupe Fiasco is another artist that I really respect, especially early in his career. He dropped an album this weekend, too, who's toyed with that so many times. And I know that that, that, that you know, excites a fan base, but I always look at it as um, it's it's a bit of it's it's a bit conniving to the to to some fans too. I don't think this is the last Logic album. I applaud him on the Twitch deal. You know, he's been one of these artists from early on that's you know even on his artwork, video gaming is an important part of his upbringing and his story. That's a great thing. There's a lot of people that relate to that. Um, so it's cool. I never knew what Twitch was until. 
um, you know, seven, eight years ago, MERS, who's another gamer, um, was using it. And later he put me on to that's a great way to connect with your fans as a pastime. So I have no doubt it'll work with Logic, but this isn't the end. If it is, I'll bet you on, uh, on this podcast a, a drink of your choice. Okay, I think you owe me three now, too, man. This <laughs> pandemic is helping you in that regard. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the likelihood of this being his last this being his last album is 0%. Like, I yeah. don't think there's any chance, certainly not new music. Um, but that being the case, we've seen this happen, like, time and time again. In fact, I can't think of a single rapper who has said that he's retiring, or she, who's actually stuck to it, not one. So that being the case, why do you think that artists – continue to even say this like i mean it, it just doesn't it's the dumbest thing i mean yeah. to me like i think the only thing that we've come close you see the dog in the background yeah i, know you I like love that. the man I see, <laughs> every time it makes an appearance it makes yeah. me super happy yeah. yeah it's like the uh, cameo um yeah. you know three thousand technically but he never went and did a whole campaign for it i mean the biggest one was jay and i think we all because we treat jay seriously like didn't but then he was dropping these fire features after the black album and he's like lucy's like dear summer i mean too short um master p scarface the game it it's like the lowest form of album hype um and i don't believe it from anybody um yeah it's just never been done successfully and apart from jay i just don't think that um artists leave on the proper note the black album if jay never came back Man, I mean, it would have been a disservice to the great music he's released since then, but he went out, you know, with emphasis. Other people... Game six, like, you know, pause, you know, at the free throw, like, you know, you know, that's it. That's his MJ moment, yeah. Or or as a a Steelers fan, Jerome going to the end zone in, you know, 05 and never, you know, hitting the field again. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's it's corny to me. And um, yeah, I I will check out the Logic album. I know he's a good dude. I know, and I I've heard No ID was really involved in this one, and yeah. I know that No ID was instrumental in bringing him to Def Jam. It's weird to me though. Like every artist on Def Jam these days seems to have these like same sort of like ploys around an album. You know, Big Sean, Logic. Um, just down the line, there's always something, and uh, I don't know. But well, listen. So, so let's take him at his word for a minute, right? Let's, okay. let's assume that this is Logic's last album and the, the last music we'll get from him. If that's the case, and he's really retiring, where do you think he ranks in terms of MCs from the past decade? So let's let's give him 2010 to 2020. Do you think he is a top five uh, artist uh, in hip hop? No. I mean, you don't because, like, commercially, I would yeah. say that he's probably. In that range, he's probably top five, top ten. Top ten, I agree with you, one hundred percent. He's had several number one albums, you yeah. know. So would you put him top ten? No, not a, even. I mean, you presented me as a hater, and I know I've made a few jokes that that probably cement that as such. I don't, I don't. Uh, that's for humor's sake. I think he's top twenty in the decade, and I think he's in the hot, like in the low teens, like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, somewhere in there but I don't even think top 10. If you're looking at the entire space of rap and hip hop, I just don't, so I don't. You would put, so if he's in there commercially, but not um, overall, that means that you think that some people artistically transcend him, even yeah. though they don't have the same commercial success. So then Absolutely. you put like a Rhapsody, like a, a, a Mike, a Freddie Gibbs, like people like that in there ahead of Logic. 
Yeah, I would. And, and here's the thing, too, is, you know, Logic has a devoted fan base in the same way that Tech 9 has a devoted fan, play, fan base in the same way that Jedi Mind Tricks, um, you know, has a devoted fan base. But I, apart from the Suicide Prevention song, can you name um, three or four, like, like Logic songs that really resonate or think that if you were to get a gathering of 10 hip-hop fans that they might know? And, and I, I ask earnestly. Dude, I'm the guy who has uh, had at least three Logic songs on our playlist for the last two years, and I can't name a single one of the songs. There you go. And that's just it. And that's like like the French Montana Kendrick debate. Um, Logic has achieved a cult following, and I think that, again, it makes a lot of sense to go to Twitch, where the same people that that devour your music and hold it in the highest regard can um, build with you in a platform that's really 360 but in terms of the hip hop conversation, no. And that being said, I think everybody was a absolutely it's top 10 album of the year. It dropped 2017, if I'm not mistaken. We put it on our list. You kind of put me onto that. But exactly to your point, you know, um, so you know a lot of times you and I, back before Corona, we go out and grab, a, grab dinner or lunch or something, and you might order an, an adult beverage, a drink. And I'd be like, hmm, I'll have the same. That is logic as a rapper. He's copied a lot of other people's from Kendrick to three, six mafia to Drake to Lupe. He's, he's been that guy that's been very chameleon to me. And that doesn't mean that doesn't negate his story. You know, you touched on three important points of it, but I just like a little bit more originality in my music. You know, um, I think part of what got me too was before, you know, he talked about it a little bit under, on under pressure but he was just like over the top about it on everybody, which is his biracial heritage. And, you know, listen, not in any way dismissing what he's gone through, but, you know, him dropping the N word and things like that, he presents as white, you know, I don't think anyone who did not know his story would not think that he was white. He was blonde haired, blue eyed and pale, Um, you know, and there's something about, you know, him, talking about his struggle, uh, you know, as a a black man that like is, I don't know, it's a little bit strange to me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, There's something about that that I think kind of like, um, I don't know, it didn't didn't sit well with me because, you know, I can see him, I can see the flip. I can see him getting, wanting to embrace his blackness and being, you know, um, you know, chided and, you know, and dismissed in the black community as not being black and you know but like the other part him experiencing oppression by whites because he's mixed that part i don't i don't see you know um and i think that's the part that that kind of like um that that made me think huh is this real or is this just like you know something that that is a a cool narrative for for us yeah i mean his talking about that has become an internet meme i mean i don't know if you've seen that but it's it's honestly like a viral joke um to a lot of people and even you know joe budden who was very you know condemning of logic and then has since apologized it was interesting you know in one of this week's podcasts he can he called him a white rapper and compared him to Russ and some other people, which was weird for me because, again, I'm, I'm a white guy. I'm out of the conversation. But that's, you know, that's just a, um, yeah, it's just an odd odd dynamic, odd aesthetic. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so uh, 
more new music that's coming and you you put me up on this i had not read about it but black thought has got an album coming out on friday july 31st uh, yeah and it's gonna feature schoolboy q killer mike and push a t uh what do you expect and this is the one this is produced all by sean c or uh, it is it is um so yeah i mean this is exciting we there's been a single out i don't know if you had a chance to hear it thought versus everybody um yeah i heard it for sure i, I think i think it's super dope yeah, yeah. and, the and video, um the video is cool too so yeah this is the third in the series um you know the first one was with ninth second one salam remy and now sean c yeah this is great he did a he did have a conversation with sway that i haven't watched that really breaks down the album that's one of the things this week that i'm meaning to but i look forward to it because the other two albums haven't been very guest heavy i mean he had rhapsody on um you know on there and he had um you know, Tish Hyman, um, also on there on the, on the singing side, but, uh, yeah, this, this could be good. And the fact that it's Sean C is really interesting to me. Um, Sean does not get the name brand recognition as, um, you know, one of these great hip hop producers, but he most certainly is, um, co-produced Can't Knock the Hustle for Jay-Z did, um, uh, a lot of the American Gangster album also for Jay and, some great stuff with Eclipse, you know, Koji rap and big puns collab. So I don't know what to expect sonically because Sean C is one of those versatile people um, too, sort of like Cool and Dre, you know? Yeah. You know, I like the song. I don't think I liked it as much as I did um, some of the stuff he had on Salon and I agree with Ninth you. Projects, you know, um, is a little bit more um, discordant you know um uh, you know i like the melodic stuff you know you call me r&b dude um (laughs) (laughs) you know but but we'll see i think it's going to be interesting and i think those those uh, i think you know him and q and him and push it those are interesting choices first of all just like black thought talks about such different things um you know in his music than they do um so to be curious to see if if uh q is gangsta and and pushes doing the coke rap because that's very different yeah but, I mean, or if you bring something out and then that, that, that one i'll typically hear but i'm looking forward to hearing those records for sure i really am too it's interesting i, I mean the first one with ninth and this one dropped in summer and then no one expected at the end of 18 that the second one you know with salam dropped the same year as the ninth joint i agree with you and, and black gave me truly one of my favorite verses of the year in his feature with Apollo Brown and uh, Shane Noir. Um, you know, it's a quick, quick 16 if that, but, um, you know, Black Thought, I truly believe that right now he's in as good of a stride as he was even in the Funk Flex year. So I'm really interested to hear. I, um, I would love if Sean C has like some sample budget there. I would love to just have a different sonic texture than we got with Salama Ninth, even though I enjoyed both of those projects. So yeah, I know in our uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about that one. Yeah, you know, and this one came out July 7th. You had it in the document um, a while ago, and I don't know how I missed it, but, like, the, the, the Benny, the Butcher deal or no deal? Yo, you know, yeah. That joint is so rugged, too, man. That, that, yeah, that was that was really, really rugged. Um, That's my favorite Benny record in a minute. I love it. I've kept it on heavy rotation, and it just it's that sinister – Interstate 95, Dope Boy Rap, even though 95 doesn't run through Buffalo. And what's interesting, too, is it's him and Derringer, which I love to see. I mean, everybody's been so excited about the three Griselda artists, you know, branching off, working with different people, all these different producers. I just love, especially with Benny Derringer, like 
that formula to me is like J. Rue and Premier. Like I don't need a whole lot of other looks than that. Um, and that was that was just bread and butter, uh, the butcher. You know. Yeah, I agree. We talk about you know how much material, uh, you know, Benny and 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 Don and Conway put out. But like, if you step back and think about the fact that so much of it is produced by Derringer, yeah. Like, I don't know of a more pro- prolific producer than that guy right now. And I, no. I, I think he is he is the best sound for all three of those guys. Yeah, and I would. I mean, it's cool in a way because I think Derringer's kept it close to the chest. I think he's produced some other artists that are part of that aesthetic and part of that movement, but he hasn't necessarily done like the alchemist thing of like, I'm going to give beats to all these different pockets in the hip hop community. Also, I mean, not to get caught up in the politics, but it was cool to see this single come on Griselda. Um, You know, it's almost like Motown back in the day when you had Motown and Tamla and all these different subsidiaries, but like these artists drop and, you know, I always expect Benny to just be, you know, BSF, his own black soprano family which is where he put out, um, you know, the plugs I met last year and boom, here we are, Griselda. Um, so it's just cool. Those guys keep things exciting and they keep super fans and novice fans all asking questions and engaged. Yeah. You know, so COVID has delayed things in other realms, you know, it's delayed movie releases and sports and, you know, TV and, and, and as anything you can think about. And I have to believe that even though it doesn't seem like it has to, it shouldn't have, should have been the case because artists are recording at home now more than ever and can send files and things like that. Typically the summertime for hip hop is when things really heat up and, you yeah. know, starting in June. And it feels to me like that kind of what we expect, would expect like beginning of June is now starting to percolate starting maybe two, three weeks ago or maybe even with Juneteenth. Yeah. So, man, I'm anticipating over the next several weeks just like a slew of great music. You know, the, the, the playlist I put in, I think, probably 20 new songs in the last, like, you know, three weeks or so. And I'm excited. I'm really excited for what's coming up. Yeah, you mentioned the Joey three-pack. Um, Static Selector, you know, is on at least two of the three songs. He he did he did shine the record you brought up. And um, I've I've personally wanted to see more as we talk about Logic. Like, there's been times where... I feel like Static came into the game as kind of like uh, a bit more imitation than I liked with Premiere. Maybe Alchemist, he's really stepped off into his own. And Alchemist, and this is not new to 2020, but in the last two or three years, excuse me, Static Selector has has been making some great production. So there's that one. Um, Blue and Exile, did you get a chance to listen to their Miles album? I haven't yet. Um, but is it, it's based on Miles Davis or is it, what's the... It, it plays it plays a role in that too. I mean, Blue has always been a big fan of jazz as is Exile. Um, but this, I mean, these this includes True and Living, which was a song that you had put in our playlist. I think after, you know, me and Amanda maybe got behind it, um, even in 2018. So this album has been taking real time shape. But I know everyone everyone is always hung up on Below the Heavens, and they've you know put out some other albums since then. Um, you know, give me my flowers before I'm dead or something like that. And then they had kind of like a, a below the heavens inspired prequel sequel. Um, but this, these guys are in good stride together. Blue is an artist that I feel like really wavered five or six years ago. Um, artistically and personally, like he had some social media weird outbursts that people may or may not remember. But over the last year and a half, I feel like he's in a great place. And this album if you're one of those fans that looks back on Below the Heavens with Reverie, check this one out. That's a good one, too. 
So um, you would put this at number two because they've released it, you know, a project or two since then. You would put this as number yeah, two to uh, Below yeah. the Heavens. And it's hard to count like the prequel that way. I mean, we at AFH got really behind that um, of that. Now, that being said, I have a caveat. You know, my favorite Blue album is a joint he did called Johnson & Johnson yeah. um, in 2008. And to me, that was – it was on an underground label. Blue wasn't even in the title. But to me, that was that was his – his his ultimate moment but that being said i mean blues put out three albums at least since the beginning of 2019 and they are some of his best work in a long time mm. um all right well uh i'll listen to that and i'll be adding to the playlist for that as well we made a, a number of references to it this time um just a reminder to people that is in the description the link to the playlist um you know of all of our podcasts so you can check that out and definitely hit subscribe too if you made it this far and like what we talk about yeah um, um we're at that time man so uh are you got anything else or yeah i mean just just in real yeah. quickness i think yeah. i think we should um a couple things odyssey who's an artist that i feel like we've always oh. been on the front lines yeah. has a new project a new album a project sometimes seems dismissive odd cure it's the first time in a while um odyssey's not done something with mellow music group mm. i don't need to read i mean he hasn't necessarily spoken on that but this joint is really, really good. So um, it's out I, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got because that guy, you know, he's one of my my favorite dudes. So and gotta, another person that really makes a strong case for albums, even though Odyssey has always been about the EPs too and the singles and all of that. But yeah, check that out. The Odd Cure, um, No Skips and Shoot Your Shot were the two songs that I really have bonded with a lot. Um, like I said, I haven't, haven't, haven't listened to Lupe yet. It's a really short EP um need to check it out um and then the other thing that we should definitely talk about because he's so important to yeah. you and me is Bismarcky, yeah um who is currently yeah. in the hospital and has been in there as we understand it for several weeks yeah um you know i dropped that in the article um that i read talked about it being diabetes complications which you know is very serious we all we all know that we lost five dog to that and so yeah. Um, yeah, when I read that, at first, my natural thought was COVID, but, you know, for it to be something else, reminder one, that there's all sorts of serious stuff going on. And, you know, I was reading that the number one, like, killer um, in the country, if not the world, is still, you know, um, you know, heart disease, you know, yeah. related to, like, you know, just poor, like, uh, eating and, and health. And so, you know, um, and that is a contributing factor to, to a lot of these deaths in COVID too. But, you know, yeah, man, Biz is incredibly important. Another one of those artists who started off um, MC and, you know, producer, but has had a second kind of career like Lord Finesse as a DJ and become incredibly important, you know, very much on that same, like, celebrity DJ circuit that D-Nice is on. You know, um, and so, yeah, we want to send best wishes to him for sure. This is so interesting to me. I mean, I was 10 years old. I was obsessed with In Living Color. People never talk about this, but in the final swan song of In Living Color, Biz was a featured, you know, he wasn't in the opening, but I feel like when you got to the show, it would be like featuring Biz Marquis um, as an actor, like as a comedian. And, you know, he was instrumental to Redman's career. He's been, you know, just done so much. Um, and I, I had forgotten this, um, hip hop DX reminded me in their report, but, uh, you know, biz has lost a lot of weight since he was diagnosed with type two diabetes. He's tried to take care of himself as best he could. He's, um, you know, there's legendary stories of biz, like 
literally loves candy. Um, so I wish him the utmost. I always tell the story, uh, year 2000, I was working at Burger King and I was offered to go to the Spit Kicker concert or the Up and Smoke to tour as we talk about Snoop. And I decided Spit Kicker, which says a lot about where I was in year 2000, but it was um, Reflection Eternal, it was Feral Munch, if I'm not mistaken, Common, De La Soul, and the opener was Biz as a DJ. And to this day, I mean, that was, I was 16 years old. It was in my love affair, beginning stages with hip hop, but one of the best DJs I've ever seen in my life. Have you ever got to catch him live? Uh, you know what? Have I caught Biz live? I've seen him DJ before. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if I well, saw Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. I've seen him DJ. Yeah, I'm trying okay. to think about if I've seen him perform or not. Yeah, okay. I might have seen him perform too, but I, I don't think so. I think I've just seen him, uh, yeah, I've just seen him, uh, DJ, which was dope, yeah. really dope, yeah. Really important, triple threat, um, great, great artist. So, yeah, he's definitely um, definitely on the mind. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's been a busy week. And then last thing I'll just ask you, because you're a bigger boxing fan than I am. I'm going to go out on that ledge. <laughs> Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. back in the <laughs> ring. What do you think of that? Yeah, first of all, well, I mean, they asked Tyson. It's supposed to be an exhibition match, eight-round exhibition. Uh, I think it was September 12th, something like that. And people asked Tyson if it was going to be, like, you know, just, you know, fun and games. And he was like, yeah, I, I do. I go hard in everything that I do. And <laughs> so, you know, now I, I can see that. I'm, first of all, I'm surprised because I watched this interview with Mike, um, the one where he interviewed Eminem. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about what just a dark side boxing brings out in him like it, it it turns into an animal in his own words like a monster uh, and the kind of person that he would not want to be so i'm surprised that he would put himself back in that space you know especially at the age of 53 when he's kind of it seems like he's really settled in yeah. nicely you know um and roy jones too like clearly you know i'm wondering if it's just strictly about the money uh but you know Dude, like, I mean, he's hard and he can hit hard enough, I'm sure, still to like really hurt someone bad. You talking about Roy still, or Mike? Mike? Mike, for sure. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the video of him training recently, but like, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looked like you know Rocky beating up on those like you know carcasses, you know. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, I just hope neither one of them gets hurt, but I'll definitely be tuning in. How about you? Yeah, yeah I, I do want to watch that. I um, that'd be fun, and and I. I know Tyson's, you know, traditional career in boxing didn't end the way it should have. Um, so I don't, this doesn't, you know, replace that, but it would be cool. I'll be rooting for Mike. How about that? Yeah. You, know? um, you think there's any world, like, you know, let's say that they could go up and down and wait respectively, but do you think that Floyd Mayweather would ever take a fight with Mike Tyson, even at 53? And take my money. I, I mean, that would be does, and, and boxing might need something like that. I mean, I mean, I know it's not through the traditional channels. Um, I don't know. Floyd Floyd just seems like one of those down for whatever guys. So I mean, that's a hundred million dollar payday product for both those dudes. That would be huge. Yeah, that'd be huge. That would be interesting. You know, there's a senior circuit in golf. Um, there's the big three for the NBA. It would be it would be dope. But like, <laughs> more importantly, though, to your point, jokes aside, like I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, what's your song of the week? Stay in the Dreamville camp. I'm going to give it up to Lute. Um, you talk about the playlist that's on there. He has a joint called Life that has just been in the heaviest of rotations for me. Yeah. Um, that, that album, like you, you sent me that song a couple weeks ago and it sent me back on a, 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 like in a rabbit hole of Lute. And I listened to 
I think I added a couple, I added that joint and, but I listened to like, you know, his uh, two projects before that, just back to back, which was incredible. Getting every dollar of the GED record too. Yeah. Man, yeah. that guy. Um, so I mentioned him earlier, I'm gonna go with Post Malone. You know, like a year ago, uh, my life changed like, you know, extremely, as you know, better than most. Um, and, you know, I heard um, Psycho today uh, and it took me back to, you know, shortly thereafter, my life was completely transformed and like everything is on the upswing in a really great way. And that song was an integral part of it. So, um, you know, took me back to That's a good dope. place. So, yeah. I always like when that happens with music. Well, man, we, uh, we busted it up and, uh, hey, I look forward to, uh, next week. This is, we're going to have a lot to talk about busy week in music. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm going to reach out to some people, maybe uh, get some, uh, some cool guests coming up next, in, the, in the next couple weeks too. Dope, man. I look forward to it. Yo, enjoy the rest of uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Man, you too.